What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. We are rolling along with our Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World reviews here, and we are on to what I guess, Rob, you would call the sequel trilogy um, with everybody using those words. But we, we are moving on to Jurassic World, uh, a film that did incredibly well at the box office. Um which was surprising given how we've seen similar franchises try to come back and not have very successful results. Uh, Matrix Resurrections, you know, we could go on and on and on of things that waited forever to come back uh, and didn't quite have the fan base that they were hoping they still had. Uh, Jurassic World was not one of them, regardless of you know, how you feel about the movie. And we'll get into that. Uh, you can't deny the, the box office that it brought in upon its release back in, uh, 2015. Yeah. Um, I, I gotta say I was huge, huge fanboying when, when I heard that this was, this was coming back. I, I loved even, even the third one that's terrible, you know, it's still, it's still dinosaurs, you know, like I'm, I'm a sucker at heart for it. Just give me, give me that. Give me all of that. Um, the fact that they were kind of spinning it forward a little bit. It was a working park. You already kind of know what's going to happen. You know that something's going to go to all the hell before it even starts. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of these. Like, you're not just going to see a kid on vacation, you know? Like, right. Just a kid going to Dinosaur Disneyland is, is not going to make the movie. We want to see dinosaurs rampaging through and getting out of their pens and things like that. So you kind of already know. And now that you've said that call this the sequel trilogy, I kind of want a prequel trilogy to this now. I kind of want to <laughs> like, you know, coming up with this idea and and going all over the world trying to outrace Dotson and, and his people to to find the amber and and build the park without anybody knowing about it. Like I give me that as a trilogy. I mean, maybe not a whole trilogy, maybe like just a single <laughs> movie. I'd watch that. Would you watch that? I'd watch it. Absolutely. I'd watch it. So, you know, let's this is going to be a full blown spoiler review as we're doing with these series. Now we're calling them from the vault where anything that's not just a brand new release, we're just full spoiler territory. But, you know, with this movie, it is it is set 22 years after the events of the first Jurassic Park, which coincidentally enough, and obviously they did this for, you know, purpose. This movie was released 22 years after the release of Jurassic Park. So I do like how they lined that up and everything that was in effect there. But Rob, you know, I think we have two very different opinions on this movie uh, from what I was gathering just from a very brief, you know, exchange that we had. But let's start with. I, I'm going to start with my part of it and what's good uh, about this movie. Number one, it was great to just see the franchise back for me from the start. I, I enjoyed hearing that it was back. And really what what captured me right from the start is the the scene with the Jurassic Park theme. It, it just it encapsulated me in that like wondrous feeling that I had from the first Jurassic Park movie. Uh, that's something that two and three was not able to do. And we talked about that in our, in our reviews 
that I never got that same rush. And maybe it was because so much time had passed between what I felt was a good Jurassic Park movie and this, or just a Jurassic Park movie in general. Uh, you know, they say that time heals all wounds. Um, I don't know if it was just how long it had been, but boy, when they're going in, there was something about that that really just it got my blood pumping, so to speak, that the other two movies um, before this, they just could not recapture that for me. You know, this Jurassic Park theme, it still slaps every yep. single time. It's it when it's used and used well. Um, I, we had said this in the in the review of the very first Jurassic Park. I mean, it's up there when you think about iconic film scores that you can just hear a few notes and no more and you will immediately recognize it and know where it came from and know what it is and not just recognize it but you'll have an emotion attached to it you know we as we as a species you know connect our senses to to memory very well you can smell something and be back in your third grade classroom you know remembering something from that you can you can hear a song and and it takes you back to you know the first time you met your significant other um, you know, we're very, we're very attached to that. You can hear just a few bits of the Jurassic Park main theme and immediately be transported back to the first time you heard it with Dr. Grant and Dr. Sadler, you know, looking at those, those herd of apatosaurs and, and all of the other animals that were in there. And, and John Hammond turns around and says, welcome to Jurassic Park. You know? mm-hmm. And you have that feeling. Um, this theme does it every single time, even when it's in a movie that, is not as effective as, as that one. Yeah, no, I I mean, there's, there's just something about it. And I will say I'm going to use, you know, you said it's dinosaurs. I'm going to use that line that you talked about (laughs) for something that actually, it bothers me about this movie. I'm not going to say it's perfect. However, I, I would like to get your take on this as we're, talking about this movie I, you know this premise is extremely similar they don't you know they don't sway too far from the nest so to speak it's a park there's dinosaurs and something goes wrong however their explanation for what's going on doesn't really sit right with me and what i mean by that is they make this they create a creature what is happening here on this island is they're getting bigger, scarier, more teeth. Um, because they say nobody's, you know, I, I believe the direct line is, and I think you watched this more recently than I did. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but something to the effect of like kids just aren't interested in in dinosaurs anymore. And out of all the things that happen in this this universe, in this franchise, that it almost seems like that's the stupidest thing I've heard them say, because you know what, Rob, we live in Buffalo, New York, or, you know, an area of Buffalo, New York. I think, I think most people that aren't from here think Buffalo, New York is just one big place and everything resides in there. Um, yeah, but there's people not from Buffalo just assumes it's just tundra. Right. Iceberg. But people still pay $20 to go to the freaking zoo to see polar bears. Like you're, uh, you're, 
<laughs> exactly. Every time I say to my kids, hey, guys, you want to go to the zoo? They're like, yeah. And then they start arguing over if we're going to start with the sea lions, the red panda, or the otters. That right. Dozens of times, and they're ready to go watch them again. Yeah, and, and you're telling me that people are getting sick of going to this park and seeing dinosaurs? Like, again, I know this is a movie about dinosaurs being brought back to life, but it the yeah. the excuse for why things fall apart in this movie, the reasoning is just, you know, it, again, in a, in a franchise. I think that's the stated reason. I think that it's alluded to, I, I won't even say alluded to, I think it's, it's almost outright expected that there's other stuff going on, that there's military funding, that Dr. Wu is not necessarily just who he seems like. I think there's, I think it's very interesting how they bring him back for the first Jurassic World film and then again for the second one. You know, he's he's kind of it's funny, we just got done doing a recap on Halo and and Dr. Wu and Dr. Halsey kind of have some very similar particularly in this film, uh very similar crossovers in that they're scientists that just keep pushing 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 without necessarily thinking about the repercussions if they should even bother. You know, there's a little bit of Dr. Frankenstein in them. There's a little bit of, of Dr. Evil, frankly. Um, there's there's a little bit of, you know, incredible hubris, just un, unmatchable arrogance. You know, there's there's a lot of that in there. Um, and and there's even a little bit like there's some controversy around this film because after the release of the original Jurassic Park trilogy, a lot of advancements in paleontology suggested that dinosaurs looked very different than the way they mm -hmm. look here. And and I think Wu kind of alludes to that, like nobody would really want to see a feathered raptor. Like he doesn't say that, but that's kind of what's implied. Like that's true. Freaks, you know. So I kind of, you know, the stated reason is they want to make something scarier to to draw attention and and, and get people to go. Listen, Space Mountain at Disney World is the exact same Space Mountain. Like. And and that that park is jam packed almost 365 days out of the year. So you're right. The the stated reason seems a little, eh, but I I think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that's actually funding that research. Um, so I think there is kind of an in universe explanation for that. Okay. Yeah. I see. I never really caught on. To, like I know there's things going on behind the scenes, but just I. You know, I really just always picture it as that line that is just stated right in the movie. Um, but, you know, you talked about military uh, applications, and this is something we talked about with Jurassic Park 3, where if you look at the script for that movie that was produced, there was a, a human dino hybrid that was pitched for that movie. Um and I, I joked about it in, in that review where I said it's almost like they repitched that for this movie and the studio like or whoever just said, we will meet you halfway because part of the military applications is we get introduced. <laughs> it, it is funny to say this, but, um, you know, uh, Owen Grady, who is played by Christopher Pratt, um, who went through a complete body transformation. Uh, for this role, like got into like really good shape, but he's training velociraptors with, <laughs> you know, police guard crosswalking signals um, to to get them to obey, which is 
extremely funny to see there were i mean god how many memes came out when this movie first released of that scene of him holding his hands out and holding the raptors at bay yeah my favorite one is the one where it's like the parent of three kids because i have three kids and when somebody sent that to me i was just like oh my god that is that's my life yeah (laughs) so um you know that's that's part of this uh this movie this plot uh the other part of the plot is there is a group of brothers uh zach and gray mitchell uh that are going to visit jurassic world and they're going to visit with their aunt because well guess what typical movie trope their parents are are going to get separated um, so they're kind of giving them a, a little bit of a vacation. Uh, but how do you feel about this, Rob? Because I, I have my thoughts on it. I thought they were actually pretty well acted in this movie. And as opposed to some of the other times this has been used in movies, I did feel like this worked pretty well in my case. But how, how do you feel about this part of the movie? Um, so there's a, there's a couple of different aspects to it. Um, there's part of this that's that typical absentee parent story, but they do it with an aunt instead of a parent. You know, Claire doesn't remember how old the boys are. Like, she doesn't seem like she knows what to do with kids. She seems very clueless around that. Um, she really feels like a caricature for large parts of this movie. And it's sad because that character could have been really cool. Um and, and it's hard for me to see her as a real character. Um, it, there's other parts of it, too. You know, later on, um, when when she and Owen are, are actually out in the field and she looks at him and says, you can track their scent. Like, that's that's it. What a joke that is. Like, that is such a, a terribly written line. It's it's garbage. And it really kind of ruins that character. It doesn't make her seem like a real person because that's not how real people would really even talk. Um the boys themselves, I, I do think they're well acted. Um, there's a there's a conversation on the train that the two brothers have that's actually really terrible. Like it's just awful. Um, the older brother is kind of needlessly cruel to his younger brother, and then they kind of try to have him like chasing tail a little bit. You know, he sees a couple of girls about his age and seems more interested in them when he just professed his undying love for his girlfriend that he was leaving behind for a week or however long they're gone for. Like it. That, that part was kind of weak. I didn't need any of that. It added nothing to the character. I will tell you, though, I do love when his brother calls his ass out and he's like, so what do you think staring at him's going to do? Like, I yeah. la- I laughed at that part because, <laughs> like, I just, I imagine, like, my two kids, if Peyton said that to Brandon, like, not that that would happen, but if, like, Peyton called him out, like, with that, it would be like, oh, you're dead. You're getting knuckles. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you would have to uh, do a Google search to the nearest burn. Unit right. Point. Yeah. So that part did make me laugh, though. But yeah, I, I do agree that the whole thing about him just, like, oogling girls at the park when, yeah, like, literally him and his girlfriend are talking about how oh i'm gonna miss you and everything like that and he's just like as soon as he out of as soon as he's out of sight it's just like yep i I get it he's a high school kid you know late teens early 20s you know whatever age he's actually supposed to be yeah that's kind of how he could behave that's reasonable um i get that does it add anything to our story no does it make me like the character more no like there's so many other things and what's interesting is 
you know, speaking a little bit more of Claire, eventually the the kind of <clears throat> the whole dynamic between her and Owen starts off really terrible. Like they had one date and it's like this big momentous occasion that defines their whole personality. Um, later on, they, they have a kiss that's terrible, by the way, like so bad, so dumb. And then the sad thing is, so I have this on Blu-ray and um, after we watched it the other night, you know, my wife threw on some of the deleted scenes and I'd, I'd seen them before, but I'd kind of forgotten what was on there. And I, I was I was catching little bits here and there because I wasn't really paying full attention to it. There's actually a lot more in the deleted scenes of this movie between the two of them that actually make that kiss feel earned. That Oh, I've never seen them. Yeah, it actually there's there's things that I wish they would have kept there and gotten rid of with the kids. Like I, I don't mind the kids as characters. Don't get me wrong, but some of the stuff that they did keep for them, I, I, I would have swapped that. If you're trying to just hit a certain runtime, I would have swapped a lot of that out. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. I've never, uh, I'm actually curious to go back and actually watch those. Cause I have never seen those deleted scenes. So yeah, I mean, I would agree that it, they don't really make Claire likable from the be- from the beginning of the movie cuz that the whole thing where i mean yes i get it you're going on a date but you're also on this like tropical humid just weird island and like the fact that they kind of make her this this naggy like i can't believe you wore shorts like yeah Like, I can't believe you wore shorts on an island that's probably 95 degrees. Um, It's just it's one of those things that, like, they try to make her look bad. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, would you really complain about that? Like, you're not making her endearing. Like, I, I just it was weird. Like, they definitely don't try to make you like her off the bat. It's it's trying to make her like a fish out of water. So she's supposed to be corporate. She's supposed to be, you know, miss career woman. Um, but she's way too smart to be as like dumb as she acts. Exactly. Yes. She's so intelligent in so many ways, but like for simple things that every person watching it goes, how are you that dumb? It just doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make her a believable character. And so they try to make her this fish out of water that she's hoity toity and doesn't understand kids because she's so focused on her job and her career. She lives her career, everything, everything, everything. And then when she ends up having to like be in the jungle and and then later on, you know, she's got that heroic run where she lures the Rex out with the flare. It's supposed to make us feel like, wow, what a, what a big character moment for her. That would have all worked better if, if a lot of that first stuff wasn't so stupid. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, let's talk about we've talked about how Owen is training these velociraptors. They want to see if they can be used in combat to, you know, fight wars and everything like that. And they bring Owen on to look at the Indominus Rex, which uh, is this is cringeworthy. Um, you know, Verizon Wireless presents the Indominus Rex. Um yeah. Yeah, cringeworthy. I'm I'm not going to deny that some of this dialogue is really, really bad. Um, I mean, it does kind of make sense, though. It does. No, it does. I mean, it's I mean, let's face it. Everything in this world now is from some, you know, just presented by something. Um, But 
it's one of those tropes. And again, like this is where I'm going to be. I'm kind of like having my cake and eating it too, because I can talk about how some of these things don't make sense and they're really kind of dumb, but I still really like this movie. And one of those parts is they bring in Owen to give his thoughts on the Indominus Rex. And he's like, look it, this thing has been kept inside. You've, you know, you've created it by combining these different animals. It has no social skills. This is not a good idea. And they're like, yeah, well, you're stupid. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, then why the frig did you call him? Like, it's just so that like, you have that character that warned against this. And, you know, there's the, we should have listened, or I told you so, or we have to go back to this guy to help solve this problem. Like, why did you call him there if you're literally going to be like, yeah, no, like, never mind. We don't care what you're saying. Because, like, what made you think you were going to maybe, like, was he just going to agree with you and say, yeah, no, no problem. This is all well and good. Like, let's let's put him out in the park. Well, and on top of that, so it gets this is really where the movie starts to get a little bit stupid and i i feel about this movie very similar to the way i feel about the first transformers movie the first time i saw both of them it was in theaters and it was like oh my god you know just you're just blown away by the visuals you're blown away by just what you're seeing you know as a, as as somebody who was a kid in the 80s and, and 90s you know dinosaurs and transformers were a major plus lego you know it was like a huge, right. huge part of my childhood so both of them have special places in my heart and then you know you're just blown away by the visuals and just the eye candy all of this stuff that you're seeing Ooh, shiny over here shiny over there you know and then you go back and you rewatch it and and a lot of that initial luster kind of is worn off and then you start actually critically analyzing what's going on and you go actually hold on wait a second this is kind of dumb. <laughs> and and this is kind of where the movie starts with that. And, and you're absolutely right, you know, with, with questioning, why did they even bother bringing this guy in if you had no intention of listening to him? Um, why, why does the dinosaur know how to mask its thermal signature? Like, why does it do that? What, like, why? Other than the plot needs it. Like, why, why is right. that important? And, and honestly, like, if they didn't put that part in the movie, what difference would it make? It's just, it's stupid, by the way. Like, it makes no sense. The dinosaur just knows how to do that. Um, like, this dinosaur knows how to do a lot of stuff. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip on this a little bit more, too, later. But why does it know how to do that? And why was it important for it to be able to do that? And why does it need to be in the movie? If they completely removed it, you take something out that's really stupid, that makes no sense, and, and doesn't even add anything to the plot by being there. It's just that one initial scene where they're checking the thermal cameras and they can't find it. They really don't reference it any other time in the movie. Like, it's not important. I, I just think it's yeah. dumb. Yeah, and I think, you know, I will say that there are a lot of similarities to me for Jurassic Park 2 to this movie in terms of when you critically break this movie down, there are things that don't make sense about this movie. It's just, again, like... If people would stop for a second, think a lot of your problems would be solved. But one of the reasons that I'm able to forgive a lot more in this movie, I think, is number one, I think this movie is leaps and bounds, you know, ahead in the visual department of Jurassic Park 2. So mm -hmm. while you're while you're analyzing things, 
you're not also for like for me, you're not also looking at something really bad on the screen. At least what you're looking at on the screen again to me is visually appealing. And I feel like this movie as a whole, it has a lot more scenes where even for me, it moves along at a, to me, it moves along at a better pace. And this is where I'm kind of just like the distracted kid where I'm like, Ooh, shiny. Ooh, shiny. Like there's enough in this with like nostalgia and scenes that I think are shot well. And like, just from the visual aspect of it, that unless we're talking about it like this, I'm just kind of engaged in the movie and I'm not thinking about what just happened in the net in the scene prior, because what is happening on screen at this moment is capturing my attention. And I'm, I'm actually with you on all of that. Um, the areas I think where this movie kind of, it, it falls apart a little bit for me is it doesn't feel like anybody ever thought about, the worst case scenario kinds of stuff. Right. So, and it's, and it's very obvious. So starting with this Indominus Rex scene, um, why is the only door in and out the size of the dinosaur? Why is there no like man doors to get in and out of this thing? Where mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I remember thinking that the first time I saw this movie and then this most recent time, it was so incredibly obvious. I'm like, why is that a thing? Like, that <laughs> again, going back to our local zoo, if you go look at the lions, right. they've got containment. They've got stuff figured out where people can get in, but lions can't get out. Like, it's so obvious. And, and it's kind of a little bit world-breaking for me. Um, you know, the, the gyrospheres, just more stuff that doesn't make sense. Why do they not have an automated remote control on them? Mm-hmm. Like you can override the person in it, like the guest that's in it. Like if somebody's like, no, I'm not coming back. Like you would have an override that would automatically bring those things back. So that's right. On top of that, why do the balls not have safe zones? They can't go out of, you know, like it says, Hey, here's the path. And it goes, Hey, we're going to go off the path. Why does the gyrosphere even have the ability to go off a path? Like there's not a clearly divine, like defined safe zone. Like that's stupid to me. It makes no sense. And one of the biggest things, why are there no, like the containment protocols make no sense at all. They don't have anything like underground safety bunkers. They don't have anything like that built in, in case everything gets overrun or they have a a massive power (laughs) or they get hit with a hurricane. What are you going to do with all these people? Just leave them out in the open in case everything gets out. No, yeah, that's have some kind of underground bunker. No, that's the plan is to put everybody into the gift shop area so that they can spend money while they're waiting to be slaughtered. Like, (laughs) and then you think, look at the pterosaurs where like they were like that dome is, is literally like one crack away from absolute catastrophe. Like Mm -hmm. there's absolutely no containment protocols that were thought about at all. Like, if, if somebody got a little, you know, whiskey throttle on a go-kart or a golf cart or something like that, like all of a sudden you've got a bunch of pteranodons just eating guests. Like right. so much about this movie. They didn't learn anything from the tragedy of the first park. Nobody thought about any of this. Now, I don't have a degree in architecture. I don't, I, you know, I'm just a guy that likes to take my kids to the zoo. So I don't even really have any knowledge about any of this crap whatsoever. And I can already think of this stuff. Like, why Why has the movie not thought of it? And it makes right. everybody seem stupid. It makes so much of it seem like it's, it's, it's not actually based in reality. And so it's a little bit, for me, it's a little bit world-breaking. 
Gotcha. No, I mean, I can, yeah, I can completely understand that because there are a lot of things that are just, uh, again, it's, it sounds funny to sit here and say some of these things because we're like, oh, it's world breaking or it doesn't make sense in a universe where dinosaurs (laughs) exist again. But again, when we're talking about it from the standpoint of this is the universe that we're watching. So in the universe that we're watching, where you want us, you know, where we're in the moment of dinosaurs are real and this is what's going on in the world. It's like, well, then you have to consider like then you should be considering all of those things that your audience would be considering so that if something does happen, it's believable in the sense of the context that we're observing. People are smart enough to figure out how to splice frog DNA into, you know, thousands, thousands, thousands of year old mosquito blood and bring dinosaurs back from extinction, but aren't smart enough to figure out how to keep anybody safe if things go off. Right, exactly. Um, I will say, though, speaking of people, this is one thing that I always thought watching, like, even when I first saw the movie, it stood out like, like a sore thumb. I don't know what she did. This actress or what, but she must have she must have pissed somebody off on set because this babysitter that they have, like that is the assistant um, to Claire, whoever she pissed off on set. Boy, they didn't they did her dirty with that death, like why she had to get ripped in half and then eaten like it's wild, like it's. It's just weird. It's so out of place for like everything else that happens. Like this one character like gets it. Yeah, she gets the, one of the most gruesome ones. And and I kind of wish that we would have gotten. Um, so the character's name is, is Zara or Zara. I'm not sure which one it is. Either way, um, we really only know her as Claire's personal assistant. We don't we get you know, I think she's got maybe half a dozen lines at most. I would have really liked to have had that death be a little more impactful like i would have like gotten to at least know her a little bit well it's almost like that had deleted scenes like because her death almost is like you've cared about this person for two and a half hours and you're like oh my god but it's like well god damn like <laughs> yeah yeah so it, it really comes off not really meaning much right yeah it's just it's almost yeah it's really like almost one of those like gratuitous kills just for the sake of it but not obviously like to the extent of like a horror movie but like that always stood out to me when i've watched this movie is just like what the heck was that for like yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything much i mean there's there's some other stuff i guess that's kind of gruesome you know um vincent d'onofrio's character getting um the way he gets eaten you know is, is pretty gross too i suppose yeah, I, yeah, I, I would say that's that's accurate. Um, but he doesn't get torn in half. No, he doesn't get torn in half. Um, but you know, you, you talked about too the gyrospheres. Like, how do they not have a failsafe? You know, they they don't have the electric shock collar for you know like dogs that don't go past this line, or you're gonna get shocked, or you're gonna automatically get shut down. Um, you know. Again, if they had that, you wouldn't get, for me, nostalgia, cool scene. You wouldn't get them going off the beaten path to the original site, uh, which, by the way, though, how does that Jeep still work? Yeah, so I've always had a major problem with that, and I think I caught something this time that was that kind of explains a little bit, and, and I've 
I've always been like, wait, there's no way at all. So they they set it up that these kids had like helped their grandpa rebuild a car one summer ago, and now all of a sudden they're you know they're auto mechanic experts. Like you know that that '60s muscle car they rebuilt works exactly like a 1993 Jeep Wrangler. Right, and I like I had always picked up on that that they had talked about this thing that they had done, but just the vehicle itself, like well, is that how that, that is that how that works? Yeah, uh, no, it doesn't um, at all. But the one thing that I've always been like is, okay, how does the battery have any ability to turn over? And how is the gas even worth anything? It would be jello. The gas right, would be right, right. jello at this point. The one thing I will say that I picked up this time, and I don't know that it's really well spelled out what the kids are doing. There's like some kind of like side-by-side or like four-wheeler or something like that, some kind of ATV that it looks like they are ripping something out of. So I'm I'm kind of going to give the movie a little bit of a pass here. Is it possible that they took the battery from that and put it in the Jeep? Yeah, that would probably maybe get it to turn over, uh, maybe. Um, and could they have siphoned the gas from it? Sure. They don't show it, but uh, okay. So even if you accept that that's what they did, the fuel lines in this thing would be dry rotted into dust anything that was a fluid in there would be evaporated so like your brake fluids uh Mm -hmm. fluids power steering all of that would be gone all of the hoses that carry all that in a jungle environment would be completely destroyed the tires would be flat and you would not be like they wouldn't take air like they would just be dry rotted into nothing you'd be lucky if any of the steel was still left you know i mean just think about cars that are driving around on the road that have been somewhat maintained you know Mm -hmm. and how much rust you see on those this vehicle has been sitting with no care at all whatsoever for over 22 years um there would be nothing left of this thing there's no way they get that thing to turn over and and get out of there they would have been better off having us see them just find like a side-by-side or something like that that had like a half-eaten Jurassic World construction guy, and they're like, "Oh, hey, let's get out of here and just drive away in that thing," because it would have made more sense. Yeah, um, that that's a hundred percent accurate. I will say before we get to that scene, uh, I did enjoy the scene where as they're going off the beaten path, and again, it's kind of corny dialogue, but he's like, "See, look at this, real dinosaurs," and I think he says, "Rob, what's the line like?" There's five of them, and he's like well no there's six um and the older brother's like i thought you were supposed to be good at this any points i do like that scene where the indominus rex is like just smashing them around uh i did enjoy that scene a lot now again the dialogue through it is is pretty clunky uh but i did like that because again it the uh, the one thing that I will not one thing but really giving this movie praise for is again the visual effects I feel in this are done very well a, a lot of the stuff on screen looks very very believable yeah I I think that the scene where and this is you know you can see the Spielbergian elements peeking through at times um, for for all of the things I complain about you know certainly recognizing what works well you know I think there are a lot of things that work well about this movie. Um, when, when the dinosaur is behind them and they actually see the reflection in the, you know, in the front of the bubble, um, that's actually a really, really cool setup. I think that's what well shot, well paced, well edited moment. The, the one problem that I do have though, is 
the movie doesn't really decide how smart the Indominus actually is. Like it's not like it's smart enough to know that it has a tracker in its back and, and it, it, it like it somehow knows what a tracking device it, is. It's convenient smart. Right. And it, and it knows what it is and it knows how to remove it out of its own back, even though it has like T-Rex arms. Like it's a little bit longer than your standard T-Rex arms, but not by much. It can reach into its own back, know that it's got a, a GPS tracker and figure out how to remove it. Um, but it, it doesn't know that when it's biting the top and the kids pop out of the bottom, it doesn't have to just like kind of turn the ball a little bit and eat the kids. Like, right. It's, it's a good scene until you start realizing like they kind of play a little fast and loose with how smart the dinosaur is. Like, it's almost like there's a knob when the script needs it. It turns the smartness up on the dinosaur. And when the script needs the dinosaur to kind of well, be dumb and just a, 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 a killing, you know, a, a monster, it just dumbs it down. He's he's smart until the main characters are involved. Of course, yes. When like you some NPCs, then just by all means, just chew away. You know? Right, exactly. He goes into ultra hard mode, and, the, and then yeah, just exactly. you can't beat One him. We, I do want to kind of point out though the Jimmy Fallon cameo bit inside the gyrosphere. Actually, yeah, is a really cool piece of world building. That, like that really makes sense. Like that that to me really. Uh, there's a, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of things that do make Jurassic World the park feel like a real place there's little touches like that that i think are incredibly effective um overall i love the production design of this movie i, I oh think yeah it feels authentic like this feels like what this park would look like if it actually was successful like was able to get off the ground yeah i think i was going to mention that too is as great as Jurassic Park one is. I think when you look at that one, it, well, you look at any of them, you look at Jurassic Park one, two, and three, and then you look at this. If this were real to me, Jurassic, like Jurassic world feels like if we were in today's, you know, if this were in today's society, this really would be what this park is more so than, and I know it was way back in 1993, and maybe it's just because of how far like we've come from 1993 where back back then it was like this is cool to look at but part of this movie just makes me think yeah this is how this would be in real life yeah so i, I, I think that's a good point uh so as things start to you know just completely unfold and crumble you know, this is where Hoskins, who we didn't really talk about, but he is, you know, with Owen, who was training these Velociraptors. And of course, it's I've seen them take orders one time. We can control them. We're going to send them out against the Indominus Rex. Um, you know, Owen's going to reluctantly comply. You know, he's going to lead the charge. Um, you get the. I'm just going to say the scene where they're running next to him on his on his motorcycle, which I can just imagine you like the first time seeing that. Like, I imagine you being the guy that just kind of like laughs at that. Um, I I laugh at it with with a giant smile on my face. Because <laughs> it is. It's it's incredibly awesome. And and um, it. If you're just if you're willing to go along with it, yeah, it's it's kind of awesome. All right, so I'm just gonna go ahead into it. Um, 
we we finished watching this movie the other night, and um, you know, it's, it, my son's been been doing a lot of my uh, show research with me. Um, you know, he's been watching Halo with me. He's been watching Obi Wan. He, he was really into watching the Jurassic Park movies with me again. And uh, I was getting him ready for bed. I was like, "Hey, buddy, you know, what did you think of it?" Because he'd seen it before, and he was like, "Oh yeah, it was awesome." And uh, so I, so by the way, he's nine. So for for context, he's, he's so I threw him out of the house. Right. Well, uh, as long as he, listen, he can stay as long as he doesn't say that um, the last Jedi is good. If he if he does that, then he's just he's disowned. He better hope he's got rent money saved up. He better hope, or else he's gonna be crashing on Uncle Matt's couch. Um, but I, I, as I finished putting him in bed, I kind of was walking away thinking how excited he was. And, and, and it's not that I wasn't excited about watching the movie. Because, again, there's parts of this I really, really enjoy. But there's parts that are just so stupid. I come away from that conversation with my son. And I just feel like this plot is something that he would have come up with. And, and I can only, like, I can hear him describing it to me. Like, I can imagine us, like. I'm picking him up from martial arts class and we're driving home and I'll be like, Hey buddy, how was school today? Dad, I had this great idea for the next Jurassic park movie. All right, buddy. What is it? What if the hero can train the Raptors? And there's a scene where he rides his motorcycle through the jungle with them. And there's this big dinosaur that is super scary because it's a T-Rex velociraptor hybrid dinosaur. Holy cow. And it can turn invisible, and you can't see it on thermal cameras either. And it can talk to the raptors, and it can command them. And then at the end of the movie, it's the T-Rex and the head raptor versus the hybrid, and a giant alligator eats the big one. You would think he got kicked in the head and had a concussion. Right. (laughs) And and this is one of those things that once you've seen it, you can never unsee it. And and now that I've thought about this movie in that way, I will never be able to unthink of the plot of this movie being just hypothetically described by my nine year old son. Like this is it's like when you put it in those terms, the plot of this movie sounds absolutely ridiculous. And so yeah, it's, n- it's nuts. And yet there's there's parts of this that are actually pretty effective. So, yeah, the. The, the scene where he's, you know, riding his, his hero motorcycle through the jungle, and of course it's at night, and then of course there's a moment that, you know, he looks at his raptor team, and they look over at him, and then the raptors run a little faster, and he, you know, cranks the handle, and he revs the engine and goes a little faster, and they're, you know, like, of course there's that moment, and it's it's kind of awesomely dumb, and and I I actually kind of dig that scene. I'm going to be honest, even though it's kind of stupid, I, I, I kind of dig it. Yeah, no, I, that's, I, I dig it too. Um... But you're you're a hundred percent right, and as he's leading the Raptors, you know, to the Indominus because they're trying to hunt him, you know, this is where the Indominus goes into. Okay, I can't be too dangerous right now because there's main characters around. Because I'm sorry, what's his trepidation for slowly coming out of the bushes and? and not just attacking and laying waste to everybody that's in front of him. Um, well, he knows that the strike team have bazookas that they're not going to actually use right yeah, away. Like he's like, I'm sorry. Like he is an alpha predator. Like the way that they've described him. It, I, he's just, I, I can't imagine that he just stands there. And then you get the big reveal that he's got Raptor DNA in him. Um, so he, he takes over lead of the Velociraptors until their, their mind connection no longer works for some reason. 
Um, like well, because through the power of belief, you know me. You know right. Me through that. I mean, exactly. How many times? Have, I mean, we even saw. Blue, you remember when we shared that burger? Yeah, yeah, we even saw that in Justice League when Superman comes back from the dead and flips out a little bit, and and the power of friendship brings him back, and it's right. Like, uh, like or in movies. Or Gal Gadot's just cringeworthy. Kalel, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> give me at least something a little bit better than, than what we get there. And then all of a sudden, once the Raptors are broken of the mind control spell, they never fall back under the mind control spell again. Like, right. He never tries to just he never tries to communicate with them again. It's just like, nope. Yeah. Apparently, like th- when they made this one, they grew the really big resonator kazoo in his head. Yeah. Again, though, he goes like he goes back into alpha predator mode and is just like, yeah, I'm sick of this. I'll kill you. Like yeah. and the strike team shows up, though, and they have eyes on the target. Like why they didn't immediately shoot their rocket propelled grenades and all of this other stuff that they had. Right. Because here's the thing, like in all actuality. Hoskins and like they want the Raptors as predators for like army missions and stuff like that. They don't want the Indominus Rex at this point. I forgot the guy's name who takes over the part uh, who takes over for Hammond like and is fulfilling his wishes. I forgot that character's oh, uh, name. Mas- Simon Masrani. Yeah, he's dead. He's gone. So it's not like he's saying, no, you need to protect our investment. So. Yeah, as soon as they see him, like, okay, use the raptors to track him. There he is. One, two, three grenades into the bushes, dead, days over. Yeah. Yeah, except that it's got, like, super strong hide or something like that. I, I don't know. Like, it's, again, the, the movie doesn't really have consistent rules with what works and what doesn't. Right, exactly. So, you know, we get we get to the end. He's going to fight. And you... If, you get the, you know, the veteran T-Rex, the T-Rex that saved the day in Jurassic Park 1 um, at the end of it so our heroes could escape. But this scene, it was, I will say, it was so cool in the first theater, like the first time in the theater to see this scene, that gate opening up, to see that T-Rex But if there was one thing that like, and again, I don't know why, but if there's one thing in this movie that like I immediately saw on first viewing and said, are you kidding me? It's the fact that Claire is outrunning a T-Rex in heels. Yeah. And we talked about this, I think, with the second Jurassic Park movie, you know, again, in terms of things that they 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 almost have like sliders, like you can change the difficulty of the dinosaurs. Right. In the first movie, they're in the Jeep and they're barely outrunning the T-Rex. Um, in, in subsequent encounters with the T-Rex, you can just kind of like have a brisk walk. Like, you know, mall walkers, like the speed they go at? Like, right. You just be a mall walker and get out in front of a T-Rex in, in later versions of it, just as it's necessary. I mean, he is a, he is an older fella now, so I don't... Well, I mean, you got to imagine how old was he in the first one, you know, maybe two or three years. Or I think that's she, actually. I'm sorry, they're all, they're all female. 
Um, you know, she's probably three years old, maybe when they get to full yeah. size, who knows? And now that she's 25, what is actually, I should look this up. What is the life expectancy yeah. of an adult? She's, she's not picking up those knees when she's running anymore. Like no, she, it's, it's the short little steps. Yeah, it should have like a knee brace on it. Or maybe a T-Rex walker. I, now I'm actually picturing what a T-Rex walker would look like That's right. kind of funny with her little short arms. Like I'd love to see that. Right. But you know, the T-Rex comes out, it pairs up with blue, which is a funny like that scene made me laugh though when I <laughs> like so why do they know that they're tag team partners? Right, the camera just, <laughs> and just two of them just somehow know that the Indominus is the big bad for the movie that they're all in. Right, and instead of it being a one on one on one, the T Rex and the and the Raptor just agree that they're gonna team up, and it's just it's so this whole ending is so dumb like. I, I, you know, at this point, just let a bunch of big kaiju beat the crap out of each other and have the giant alligator dinosaur serve as your deus ex machina at the end. Like when, when the Mosasaur comes out and, and finishes it off, I'm just like, whatever, that whole thing was dumb. Like I just, I, I wanted something more from this. Yeah. It's, I did laugh though. Like that shot of blue, like running, (laughs) like running towards the camera. Um, uh, that that cracked me up a lot. Um, I, I don't know why, but it was, yeah, it's just yeah. Godzilla and Mothra agreeing to fight, you know, Ghidra together. Right, exactly. Um, so, you know, then you know the T Rex and Blue agree, like, okay, fighting's done. We're gonna go our separate ways. Um, survivors are evacuated. Islands abandoned. You know. We have a we have a happy ending. I will say though that establishing closing shot of the T Rex just walking to kind of like the edge and you know doing its roar uh, again that I was like yeah that works like yeah it, it, it it's a scene that works for me for as much as I hated the events that happened like two minutes prior um, that still gets me and and even just the there's little callbacks to earlier films that I think in in other movies they might have overdone them. In this one there there's the appropriate amount of nods. So you can see yeah. starring on that T Rex from the fight with the Raptor at the end of the first one. Um which makes perfect sense that after three Raptors like really went after him that uh, or after her uh that she would then just team up with this new raptor to go after the indominus like that totally makes sense but right little things like that i think when the kids find the original visitor center um there's little nods there that if you're looking for them makes you remember mm-hmm. parts of the first movie like when they find um you know they find the when dinosaurs ruled the earth banner they find the um the night vision goggles like little things like that are are fun easter eggs without being overdone and i appreciate that yeah no i think this movie did balance a pretty good line of you know being its own movie while calling back to the the first you know by giving you callbacks to the first movie but not overdoing it um which is you know some of the complaints of you know some of these movies that you know, we mentioned in the beginning that come back after all this time. And it feels like this is really just a remake. It's, you know, it's a reskin. Like your character used to be, you know, blue and we reskinned him as green. Like, Oh, look at the changes we made this year. But, uh, 
Uh, I didn't feel remaster, you know? Right. Yeah. I didn't feel like this movie did, you know, it, it did not cross into that territory. No, not, not for me. So, all right, let's, Let's see. Do you have anything else that you you know in the main part of this story that you feel like we didn't touch on? You know the the most emotional moment for for me in this movie um, we didn't get a chance to cover it when Owen and Claire are kind of out in the field together and they come across the Apatosaurus that's dying. Oh yeah. Um, I I've said this a million times on the show. Um, practical effects when you can do them are always so much more effective. Um, by doing this with animatronics, you actually felt something because you knew you were looking at a real thing. Now, obviously, it's uh, you know it's motors and servos and painted on textures and things like that. Um, and the eye is made of glass and it's painted and everything. Like You, you kind of know that. But if you forget about all that for a moment, you can really feel that emotion. Like you can, I fully believed that this dinosaur was laying there yeah. and was 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 aware that it was in its last moments of life and was thankful that there was some there was another life form there to share its last moments with like i felt that like it it really seemed like it was grateful that somebody else was there as it was closing its eyes for the last time like i felt that about that scene and then when they get up and realize how many other ones had been killed like it's it's absolutely heartbreaking um and really a very powerful moment in this film yeah, no, I, that's, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I, yeah, definitely agree with, with everything that you stated there. Uh, it, it felt very real. So, uh, I did enjoy that a lot actually. So, all right. So I, I want to talk about the, I, I want to talk about some of the box office stuff because, you know, certainly Rob, again, if you weren't around or weren't, interested when Jurassic world first came out, it really is pretty miraculous what this movie managed to pull off after being gone for so long and just the diminishing returns for Jurassic park two and Jurassic park three for this movie to come out of the gate, the way that it did with a 200 and you know, 208.8 million dollars um, for its opening weekend, um, a you know worldwide total of one point six billion dollars box office record for the opening weekend. Uh, first film to collect over five hundred million in a single weekend. Uh, billion dollar mark within fourteen days. Uh, at that time, fastest film to do that. Uh, was one of the most profitable movies of 2015 um, in terms of what they spent on it to advertise it, produce it, and what it actually made. Uh, this was, you know, this isn't always heard of when you wait this long to release something if the fan base is still there. But, you know, this movie, you know, certainly bucked a trend that's even still going to this day with some of these franchises that have tried to you know, to reinvent themselves and come back to absolutely poor return, not even poor, just abysmal box office numbers, you know, and I get it. There's, we're certainly in a different time frame, um, but it, it, this was quite the feat when this first came out. You know, thinking about some of the things that have gone away for a little bit and tried to come back, you know, just off the top of my head, uh, are the Terminator films still regarded as any good? Those right. Ones? No. Uh, 
uh, Aliens and Predator, as well as Alien versus Predator. You know, some of the recent stuff has been really, really poor. Um, you know, you're much more of a horror fan than I am. There's, you know, you think about some of the iconic, classic horror movie characters um, that, that were very, very popular when you and I were young. They kind of went away for a while and, uh-huh. and came back. Some of them have been well-received. Some of them have been quite good. Some of them have been absolutely atrocious. Um you know, there's there's a lot of examples like that you can point to. Um, certainly, Matrix, you know, Resurrections. Um, I, when you start with a beloved property though, like Jurassic Park, and you start with just the the love for just dinosaurs in general that so many people had growing up that never truly grew out of it. Um, if you can give us at least, you know, give us good visuals, give us that great score, give us you know some great Spielberg moments here and there. Uh, give us a little bit to to go off of, and and you know we really don't need much more than that, to be honest. Now I wish that we got more than that. I've certainly made my complaints known uh, that I have on this film, but um, yeah, this is the kind of movie people will pay to come see, absolutely. And and I I was glad that I took a moment to rewatch it this week. Yeah, I, I certainly I I will say that this um, rewatching this. Definitely, it increased my excitement to go into Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Um, You know, rewatching this and be like, okay, yeah, like getting refreshed on the story, getting ready for Dominion. Uh, You know, I I certainly think that this movie still has, again, for me, I I like this movie, I think, more than you do, Um, even though I agree with a lot of the points that you said, I don't think I disagreed with anything about like, eh, well, no, like, yeah, I agree with, you know, the points of you're like, well, this is why it's not as maybe good as I remember, or like some of that wears off when you're just sitting in the comfort of your own home. But again, for me, it's just, there's enough that happens on screen that just kind of distracts me from thinking about it until you sit down and say, think about it. So, yeah. You know what? I think this movie is another example of, you know, for all its warts, you can still absolutely love it. You know, right. Everybody kind of has that friend, you know, you know, the friend I'm talking about where your significant other's like, why do you hang around with that guy? He's an asshole. And you're like, well, yeah, he is, but he's, he's mine. Right. I've, I've, I've called him that several times. You're right. But (laughs) still hang out with him because he's like, your one of your, your closest, most dear friends. And, um, it, I think this movie is one, another example of something like that, where is it perfect? Absolutely not. Um, are there a lot of obvious problems? Yes. Yes, there are. Will you enjoy yourself watching it? Also? Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. So, uh, you know, we still keep in the tradition of giving this, um, an actual rating, uh, on our real scale. So I'll let you go first. Uh, out of our five reels, what do you what do you give Jurassic World? You know, I I don't I wanted to go right dead center two and a half, and and yet for all of the problems that it has, I still like I still enjoy watching this movie. Um, I can't go all the way to three, so I'm just gonna say it's two and three quarters of a reel. Um, okay, okay. It's it's got its problems. Is it rewatchable? Oh sure, it's rewatchable. Um, you know, it's there's parts that you just kind of have to just close your eyes and, and plug your ears and just wait till it's done because it's so stupid and doesn't make any sense. 
but is it a lot of fun when you just kind of, if you can really suspend your disbelief, sure, it's a lot of fun. So 2.75 reels. All right. Well, I, I favor it more than you. Uh, this definitely, this gets three and a half reels for me. Uh, I, I definitely enjoy rewatching this. This is something that even after this, uh, you know, uh, us talking about this movie, I would rewatch this again. Like this is one that I would say if I'm scrolling by and it was on one of my streaming services, which right now it is currently not on any streaming services. Um, I would go, how is that possible? I know I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed by that. So yeah, I was perplexed by that. Like, wait a minute. Um, but this is something, yeah, where if I was, if this were on HBO max, like the first three, I would have sat there and been like, like later on down the road, been like, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll click that on like no problem. So uh, I definitely give this uh, a couple more reels than you do, but uh, you know, we, we, our street continues of, of not agreeing on, uh, on a couple of movies, but <laughs> the first one, which is both, we both clearly give it a five and would actually give it six out of five. Reels right. Ex- exactly. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what your thoughts are going to be on fallen kingdom. Cause I, I certainly know what my, I'm not going to say them obviously now, but I know what my initial thoughts were upon seeing that movie. Um, and this is, again, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the next time that I watch it is going to be only the second time that I have seen Fallen Kingdom. So I'll be interested to go back and watch this again. It'll be possibly my second, no more than my third time watching it again. So very much like you, uh, particularly as we get ready for the, the third one, um, that's the one that I kind of remember the least. Yeah, hundred percent. The most important going into the third uh, Jurassic World film, and I I do find it this it's it's odd how I said the same thing about Jurassic Park two. Like I remember Jurassic Park one, I remember Jurassic Park three. Certainly, maybe not for the reasons that you're supposed to, but again, I got way more enjoyment out of that movie than you did because I just go, what the hell ever? Like, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to me how my thoughts on Fallen Kingdom are because, again, it's the one that I remember the least about in between the big, you know, to me, when I first saw it, there was the beginning, the big part, and the ending, the big part. And there's a lot in between that I just, I can't fill in the blanks on my own. And that was how Jurassic Park 2 was to me. Um, so I'm going to be interested to go back and and rewatch this movie. Yeah, there's there's parts of it that I'm going to probably have to skip because I just remember how like awful and heartbreaking they are. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring our tissues for those parts and our popcorn for the rest. There, there you go. So uh, that's going to do it for our review of Jurassic World. But before we, you know, head out, Rob, uh, you always do a great job of telling listeners where they can contact this show, what we've got coming, uh, you know, down the pipeline, so to speak, certainly some more Jurassic uh, World endeavors. But how do how do listeners get in touch with the show and what do they have to look forward to here coming up? Holy cow, there is so much great content that is already on the channel. In recent weeks, you can find reviews for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. You can find the entire Halo series. You can find all the previous Jurassic Park films up to this point. 
Uh, Obi-Wan, maybe you've heard of that character. He's a little bit important. People seem to like him. Uh, we are happy to be joined by our friend Harrison from The Basement Binge uh, to give you weekly recaps of the Obi-Wan show uh, streaming over on Disney+, Plus, as we've done for so many other Disney Plus shows. Um, I know the most recent uh, episode came out uh, as we record this. I've not seen it. Matt has seen it and has implored me to go watch it immediately before it gets ruined. Uh, so I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, we've got that coming for you. Um, all kinds of great stuff throughout the summer um, that we're, we're looking forward to. But if you would like to leave your thoughts on this review or any others, uh, you can email the show. Matt goes to the movies, mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. You can also interact with the show on Facebook. You can join the Facebook group. A lot of great uh, commentary on there and fans interacting with just fans of movies and, and TV in general. Um, you can also check out the show on Instagram. You can check it out on TikTok. Uh, while you're on the interwebs, you can head over to w.gg, D-U-B-B-Y.gg, and enter the promo code MGTTM Podcast for 10% off your order. Uh, it's a phenomenal product that I've gotten a chance to use a little bit, and it's a, it's a powdered uh, energy substance, which is pretty cool. You mix it in with water. It mixes in super easy. You don't even need a shaker bottle. Um, and what I like about it being powdered is you get the opportunity to kind of like control how much of it you want. Uh, so a whole scoop is really going to put you on the moon. Uh, half scoop is about what I like to use. And if I need just a little bit of a boost later in the day, but I don't want to be up all night, I can just put a tiny little bit in. It mixes right into a glass of water pretty easily. And uh, I'm awake and alert. So W.GG, you get 10% off your order with the promo code MGTTM podcast. Uh, thank them for sponsoring the show. Yeah, absolutely. I actually took a scoop myself before this uh, to keep me focused up of the the beach and peach flavor, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. So head over, take advantage of that promo code uh, and get 10% off your order. So folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode and every other episode that you've been on this journey with us. And until next time, we will catch you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.